Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, we're clearing the docker. The Druck. The Dark Bar. The Peter Drucker. Legendary management consultant, Peter Drucker. This week, we're at the Rucker, playing street basketball. Uh, Tough mutter, tough mutter there, Jesse. Mm -hmm. Clark Bar, Clark Bar, Clark Bar. (laughs) What to do to die today. Hi, Judge Hodgman. Hello. Are we rolling with that intro? I think it's good. Yeah, I say we keep it. No doubt about it. You know, when you when you can take lead and turn it into gold like we just did. Do you know what that is? Why would you then throw that gold away? That's alchemy. That's <laughs> an alchemical Clark bar of delight. I knew it was some form of metallurgy, but I didn't know exactly what. Okay, right. here is here is our first case this week. It was is it, from. I have a question first. Yeah, was Metallurgy a character in the Dark Crystal? <laughs> yes, I think that's David Bowie's character in Labyrinth. Was <laughs> was Metallo was Metallurgy uh, a robotic version of Gurgi? I think Metallurgy is Metallurgy the name of those uh, square guys with the tre- with the roller treads from Return to Oz. Oh. The ones that I still have nightmares about as an adult. That that movie is pure nightmare fuel. If people out there have never seen it, good. Yeah, it's not that great of a movie, and it is really creepy. It's a really dark Oz film that was made in the 80s, uh, in which Dorothy goes back with a talking chicken and a robot and a, and a, and a Jack Pumpkinhead who is a totally bogus scarecrow ripoff. Like, it was a third Oz book he wrote, and he's already ripping himself off. Yeah. It was terrifying. With, um... Oh, who was Faruza Balk? Faruza Balk. Of, uh, of the island of Dr. Moreau. Also. Jesse, it's so nice to be with you here in Chambers. You, you may not have noticed yet that I've left the window open in Chambers. And in Chambers here in Park Slope, out uh, in the little garden behind my building... I hear birds chirping, uh, there's a breeze coming in, and I hear a guy playing scales on the piano. It's like my own little rear window back here. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm watching Miss Torso do her exercises, and maybe uh, maybe Lars Thorwald is killing his wife. But uh, here I am, uh, talking to my very favorite Grace Kelly substitute, Bailiff Jesse Thorne. I've got great news, Judge Hodgman. I am living uh, like Elliot Gould in that... L.A. Hills apartment that he has to take an elevator up to, and all of my neighbors are naked ladies doing yoga. Is which one was that? Was that uh, the long the long the long good night? The long goodbye. Sam, the long goodbye. I mean, yeah. Sam Spade. Yeah, like he plays Sam Spade as Elliot Gould in the seventies. Yeah, and boy, is that a great movie, Robert <laughs> Altman. One of the best. Well, one of the certainly the Robert Altman movie that I've enjoyed the most. You know what I want to do is I want to I want to play. I, Paul F. Tompkins will be mad at me because he's been doing a Thin Man pastiche for the Thrilling Adventure Hour for the past 10 years. But I want to play the Thin Man in the 1980s. <laughs> uh, and that's all I got so far. The Thin Man as Higgins from, uh, from in, uh, uh, Magnum P.I. I'm going to do like a late 70s Jeeves and Wooster. What do you think about that? I think mid-90s. Mid-90s Jeeves and Wooster. Like a, what about like a late '90s Jeeves and Wooster, like a set in the world of um, of Master P? 
I think you lost not only our last listener, but even me with that one. <laughs> I mean, not lost. I mean, I, you'll never lose me. I just, I just got confused by the references there. Even well, I. I mean, have you, have you ever seen have you ever seen the episode of uh, Cribs that's about Master P, and then he he shows that he has gold like toilets and ceilings, and um, and Lil Romeo, who is now Romeo because he's yeah. no longer Lil. There's no Lil, but. Lil Romeo has his own house uh, and his own tiny cars. Uh, I did not, because if that were the late 90s, that would have been the time that I had moved to New York City, had zero dollars, and stole cable out of the wall by just plugging the cable into the back of my Toshiba TV that I got on 60% discount at Macy's in New Haven. The greatest deal in my life. And I plugged it in there, and all I could get were broadcast channels... And uh, and the Food Network, so I was <laughs> I was deep into my Emerald at that point. I was no longer watching the music television or the Cribs. Well, I really I recommend that episode of Cribs, and uh, there's the only other the only other one that's really canonical in my opinion. Yeah. Well, two others that are canonical. One is the one where Snoop Doggy Dog plays basketball with I want to say Bell Biv DeVoe. And um, boys to men, <laughs> like for some reason, just all these like R and B singers come over to his house to play basketball. Yeah, that's um, what happens. He lives in like Malibu or something. Yeah, and uh, there's one they a, where they have, a, they have a, a, a motor coach that goes up there that brings all the R and B singers up. And, and there's one where uh, I want to say Redman. Is it Redman who lives in a in like a really terrible? Yes. Redman lives in this terrible apartment in Staten Island, um, and uh, he still claims to this day that it's 100% real, but he just lives in the dumpiest apartment, just full of, like, picked-up-off-the-street furniture uh, and video games. Yeah. He, he, it was, his, his apartment was an homage to my apartment on 22nd Street in New York, back when people without money could live on 22nd Street. Here's a case from Peter. My girlfriend and I disagree about what kinds of things should and should not be considered candy. I believe candy can be defined as food that has no merit beyond its flavor. Specifically, I call ice cream candy as it's not considered a source of sustenance, as it has little to no nutritional value. She maintains ice cream isn't candy, as it's not traditionally referred to as such. She's trying to cut down on candy, and she says this should not include ice cream. Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, it's another case of a dude who wants to replace social convention with a weird set of rules. Ah. <laughs> That's called the American Revolution. <laughs> and, and basically every dude-formed government on Earth, which is to say every government on Earth to date. Recording this day, June 17th, 2015. So he believes candy can be defined as a food that has no merit beyond its flavor. That's wrong. Candy is a thing. Words have meaning. Specifically, <laughs> candy candy derives uh, from the French sucre candy, which is to say crystallized sugar, uh, and originally from the Arabic sukar or sugar, and candy, which is, means candied. So again, uh, there's a very specific meaning to the word candy that we actually observe in everyday life, right? Candy t- tends to be Something made of sugar that is uh, is crystallized, like a like a rock candy, or a hard candy, uh, or a Jolly Rancher is a candy. 
Um, what do you think? Is chewing gum candy, Jesse? Mm, no. No, I it's I not. I don't think that it is candy, Judge Hodgman. No, no, I don't think it is, even if it has flavor crystals in it. If you, maybe your maybe your uh, your your uh, mouth uh, your breath freshening lozenge has f- crystals in it, that doesn't make it candy. Candy is something primi- primarily made of sugar to be enjoyed in a in a hard form. Uh, and so, uh, ice cream is is not candy simply on uh, virtue of common sense. Ice cream is as much fat as it is sugar. That's the only reason I like it. Yeah, that's what makes I, it taste good. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care about candy at all. And the people who care about candy are children and dopes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> adult adults who are going around eating candy. I mean, if you're if you're if you're a, if you're a grown man and you're munching on a bag of Brock's on the subway, weird. Grow up and enjoy uh, the the many many more flavors there are to life than just sugar. And including ice cream, a different thing. All of that fat is an incredible uh, solvent for all kinds of flavor compounds. So even though ice cream is definitely sugary and definitely fattening, it has so much more going on in it, uh, depending on how it is uh, flavored and how it is made and how much air is in it. And it's fantastic. So you're wrong, Peter. Uh, but so is your girlfriend. Because you cannot use a pedantic definition of candy to say, well, I guess I can eat all the ice cream I want. If you are an adult, you should be eating any of these kinds of high sugar foods in extremely small amounts in your life. Because your metabolism is different from when you were a baby. Babies are designed to crawl around on the ground and eat a bunch of sweet sweet berries and get as much calories into them as they can by just eating Clark bars over and over again because that's what babies and little kids kids need they can absorb that many calories they can do it but you can't it's not healthy for you that level of sugar for you is terrible terrible to your health in many 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 ways so I'm not saying that your girlfriend is out there slamming quarts of chunky monkey all day long but if she is tell her it doesn't matter that it's not candy eat a I don't know what I don't here have a martini. Have a grown-up indulgence. I'm gonna but, uh, take a quick sip of candy here. Okay. What the? By candy, I mean uh, mandarina flavored haritos. Right. Wait, it's not crystallized. I'm in the clear. Chug, chug, chug. <laughs> I know that I'm gonna get a lot of letters about the definition of candy from all of the food pedants out there. The, there are the pedants, and then there are the the extra. They're, they're like the sea org of pedants. The high-level pedants, which are the food pedants, the people like Dan Pashman over at the Sporkful, who's still trying to trying to run the garbage line that a hot dog is a sandwich, and saying that I'm wrong on that. Forget it, forget it, Dan Pashman. It's Hodgman Town. I'm telling you what's right and what's wrong. But a lot of people are going to write in and say, "Oh, uh, what about a candy bar?" Yeah, that's a bar. That's a bar. It's not candy. You wouldn't look at a. You wouldn't look at a. You wouldn't look at a Clark bar, which is now my favorite candy bar to talk about, and say, look at that piece of candy. You would say, no, that's a candy bar. That is a bar-shaped confection that we have appended candy to uh, through conventional use, but is not a piece of candy. In the same way that a comic book might be depressing. Like, you, 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 call, you call Mouse by Art Spiegelman a comic, 
even though uh, this story of uh, the Holocaust is not hilarious. So that's where words begin to, uh, uh, where words' meanings begin to change and fluctuate. But uh, no way, no way, no way you're going to tell me that candy is anything that has no merit beyond its flavor. You, 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 you might as well be talking about all food. <laughs> yeah, what about, what about salt? Yeah, salt. Good point. Is salt candy, Peter? Thank what about, you, Jesse. Perfect what about cinnamon? Yeah, what, good point. Is cinnamon candy, What about Peter? clove? You know what? I think you could say all the spices. Vanilla. Sure. Delicious ice cream, but terrible candy. Moving on. I got a nice note. Uh, speaking of um, uh, food luminaries... Uh, from Kenji oh. Lopez Alt, after I, I gave a shout out to his writings on the topic of um, uh, cast iron. Yeah, uh, it turns out he's a Judge John Hodgman fan. Food loom. Yeah, there you That's go. Right. Short for food luminary. I got a little. I had a letter about the cast iron in our, uh, discussion from our last docket. So what what we discussed was you you can use soap a little bit of soap and cast iron. It's not gonna it's not gonna kill it. But someone wrote in and said that I made the error of saying that cast iron was highly conductive. And I knew when it came out of my mouth that I was wrong. And I apologize for that. The best and most expensive restaurant pans are made of cast aluminum that are clad in stainless steel. That's, uh, that's called, that's where, that's where they get the all clad from Ta- dropping a lot of name brands, but I don't have time to. Or make. in, in some cases, something with uh, copper at its core, which is ultra conductive. Your copper, of course, it was the fanciest of fancy pots and pans that you could ever have. But, of course, it's highly reactive as well. And there are certain foods you can't cook on it or it'll ruin both the pan and the food. So that's why you might have a copper core and a stainless steel surface or aluminum, which is cheaper than copper, and a stainless steel surface. Uh, but cast iron uh, is, is not particularly conductive. And that's why you need to heat up the pan for a long time before you can cook in it. Because you've got to get as much heat into the pan as possible and get it all spread around in the pan. And the gentleman who wrote in, and I apologize to you. I, uh, I cannot find your email in front of me at the moment. I will look it up and mention you in future. Uh, but the gentleman who wrote in uh, suggested something that I think is very smart and useful to do when you want to preheat a cast iron pan. Put it in the oven. Put it in a, in a 350 or 400 degree oven for a period of time. And that heats everything all around it. And then you pull it out of there very carefully with a, a mitt or a, or, a, or a cloth or whatever. And then you're ready to go. Here's something from Shoshana. This disputes between me and my adult daughter, Emma. I'll have my 60th birthday in September. You might wonder why I'm already thinking. Oh, excuse me. September 2016. Right. You might wonder why I'm already thinking about this. The answer is, I am just a tad birthday obsessed. I'm contemplating a number of options, like a 60s theme party minus the hallucinogens. I contemplated a 50s theme party for the 50th birthday, but realized that jello molds and chop suey are both decidedly gross. Anyway, Emma knows only too well how important birthdays are to me, and I want her to commit to coming home to Brookline for my birthday. Brookline, Massachusetts? One assumes so. I mean, it seems like she wouldn't go through the trouble of dropping that uh, with a clang, were it not with a, ca- with a cast Massachusetts. iron clang. She says she cannot commit to this in light of her current life circumstances. I do recognize that Emma's in flux. She just graduated from a master's program in international affairs. She doesn't currently have a job. She's being evicted from her Brooklyn apartment in favor of the owner's son. She has no idea where in the world she will be come September of next year. 
I still believe she should mark this event in her calendar with indelible ink. She says this is asking too much, given what's going on with her. Well, I appreciate that Emma is at a crossroads in her life, and I certainly feel bad that she's been evicted from her apartment in favor of the owner's son. That's terrible. When we graduate from college, or in this case, graduate school, uh, it is a terrifying time, and we don't know exactly where we're going to be. Uh, And I also sympathize with Emma in that um, when you are a young person, say in your mid-20s, as I presume she is, or even in your mid-40s, having your mom, or in my case, my dad, write you an email saying, hi, I wanted to make a plan for 48 months from now. Would this be a good time for us to show up at your apartment 48 months from now? It's a little bit like, I am just trying to figure out what's happening in the next 45 minutes. No, dad. And I get a little bit juvenile about it. So I am here to help Emma because I know exactly where Emma is going to be in September of 2016. At her mom's 60th birthday party. Are you joking, Emma? You can't say to your mom, yeah, I'll come and celebrate your birthday with you? This is a big one. You understand what 60 means, right? Maybe 30 more. If you're lucky, of course you're going to go to your mother's birthday party. And if you're not sure if you'll be able to make it because you might get a job in Singapore or Long Island or wherever it might be that you can't get to Brookline. By the way, you can get to Brookline from Long Island. You still tell her, I will be there and I'll be so excited to be there. And then put it in your calendar and not worry about it for more than a year. And when the time gets closer and you are within 200 miles, you will go to that party. And if you're not within 200 miles or you're still standing there in the middle of Brooklyn with all of your belongings 18 months later, still not knowing what you're going to do with your life, then that's the one time you can say, I'm not going to go to your, your birthday party, mom, because I haven't been able to get off of this ratty sofa with this old torchier lamp next to me on the corner of 9th Avenue and 7th Street. Ugh. <laughs> Emma. Emma, get over yourself. As a parent, I am incensed by your insensitivity. And as, as a child of parents, yeah, me too, you guys. I'm a child, I'm a children of men and women. Uh, I, 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 have, I have made enough dumb mistakes and insensitive remarks as you have in my own life to feel profound shame about it. So I'm helping you even while I'm yelling at you which is probably a great t-shirt. I'm helping you even while I'm yelling at you. Judge John Hodgman. Did you have one to add? Do you have anything to add to that, Jesse? Am I wrong? No, you're dead right, Judge Hodgman. I mean, all I can say is this. It would be nice of Shoshana to tell her daughter, Emma, that should should, should financial circumstances be what stands between her and coming to the party, that Shoshana will lend the necessary assistance. I don't think, right. I think it is 100% reasonable, even if, even if the daughter ends up overseas 
for Shoshana to expect her to come to the birthday party. Uh, but I think it would be nice as, you know, understanding the sometimes the precarious financial situation of young people uh, to say, listen, if you if you live in Spokane and you need to buy a $500 plane ticket to come to my birthday party, I will help you pay for it if you don't have the $500. I think, but I will say this. If if Emma is is overseas uh, in a in a demanding job that requires her attention at, in September, I I would say that's an okay thing to say. Just send the most glorious present you can think of. That would be an okay excuse not to go. But other than that, I, there's very little excuse I can think of that would be meaningful. And let me let me say to you, Emma. You, I'm not saying this party's going to be fun. <laughs> and I can already tell that your mom, Shoshana, is really into her own birthday parties. And when she goes for this 60s-themed birthday party, I'm even I'm cringing a little bit. <laughs> but, but I'm going to go. I am going to go. I'm going to do the right thing and say, Shoshana, I, get me the date. I will be there in Brookline at your birthday party. Unless I'm on tour, which is probable. That's why. That's how I cover. That's how you cover your butt, Emma. Just lie. <laughs> say, sure, I'll go. And then when the time comes, goes, I'm really sorry. I can't make it. I can say that because I'm not a blood relation, though. Look, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more cases in just a minute. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by... You, our members, of course, thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. 
It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We are clearing the docket. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. With me, the judge himself, Judge John Hodgman. Here is our next case. It's from Kristen. My husband and I have a 14-month-old daughter named Caitlin. He insists on calling her Baby, like her name is Baby, instead of Caitlin. It's not just that he sometimes calls her Baby and sometimes calls her other pet names, like Sweetie or Pumpkin. He always calls her Baby. I think he should call her by her name. I would like an order for him to start using her name at least on a regular basis. Uh, this is a difficult one. He just calls the child Baby? Yeah, like... Uh, like, come here, baby? Yeah, or too much something or other, too much light makes the baby go blind. Is that the... <laughs> uh, hot water burn baby? Yeah. Like that? Interesting. Like in uh, like in that Maury Sendak book, um, Higgledy Piggledy Pop, where there must be more to life. There's a character named Baby. But that character's name is Baby. This In this case, the baby has a name, Caitlin. I'm sure this 14-month-old baby named Baby Caitlin is gloriously cute and wonderful. 
And I will be candid with you, Kristen. Caitlin has never been a favorite of my names, primarily, nothing intrinsically wrong with it, but primarily because of the bizarrely wide variety of spellings that is applied to it. It's the kind of name that makes me feel like people either don't know how to spell correctly or are maybe throwing a little too much creative imagination into their baby naming. Because I feel people should be a lot more interesting than their names, and the people with the most interesting names tend to be the boring people. That said, though I have just told you, my devoted and beloved listener, that I don't like your baby's name, that's none of my business. You can call your baby whatever you want, and I bet Caitlin will prove me wrong. Even if she spelled it K-A-I-T-L-I-Y-N-N-E, star, which is another valid spelling of Caitlin. I don't know what it is about this particular name. It's always bugged me, and I apologize to all my Caitlinic listeners. I look forward to you writing me letters saying I'm a monster, and I look forward to reading the incredibly wide variety of ways you spell your name. John, your behavior right now is really giving our listenership a Caitlinic, which is to say flushing the Caitlins from our listenership. I want you all to come back because I love this baby, and, and I love this baby that is named Caitlin. And I look forward to meeting Caitlin if Kristen and her husband ever come to one of my shows. Stay tuned for my tour information. And I will call her Caitlin because that is her name. Your husband is doing something that I consider to be weird. By if, if what you are saying is true, consistently referring to the child by a single nickname as though it is an alternative name, which Baby certainly is. There are people named Baby. Uh, that, is a, that is suggesting that he is a problem maybe a almost Hodgmanic problem with the name Caitlin. And you and he need to have a heart-to-heart about whether or not he is on board with this baby name and with the strong suggestion from me that he get on board with it. Because presumably it was a mutual decision. It is weird to change babies' names after 14 months, so it's certainly not unprecedented. And, call, and choosing an alternate name for the child that is just his suggests that there is going to be great friction in this marriage going forward. So I say nip in bud. And I love you, Caitlin. All of you. Here's something from Derek. I love my wife of 12 years very much, but I cannot stand that she leaves used tissues lying around on countertops. She also leaves them in her pants pockets, which then results in shredded tissues all over the washed laundry. There are also used cotton swabs occasionally left on the bathroom counter. We have two small children, six and three, and they're prone to illness because that's what living with kids is like. She's not one bad mother, pun intended. Ah, buzz marketing for the great Maximum Fun podcast called... One bad mother. But tissues lying around the house are at worst a health risk and at best just gross. Also, I'm a bit of a pragmatist and I prefer that we maximize surface areas. Usable surface areas, presumably. 
I would like the judge to order my wife to take an extra 15 seconds out of her busy day to properly dispose of used personal care materials. Thank you. It's hard for me to put into words my feeling of gross. There are a number of levels of gross going on here. Obviously leaving used tissues, used cotton swabs, uh, and, uh, and other personal care items on countertops instead of just throwing them away is disgusting. Uh, but also, a, it takes effort, I think, to leave trash and litter all over the place and pretend that that's okay and normal. And the effort that is being expended by your wife of 12 years, whom you love very much, in order to convince you that garbage all around the house is normal must be considerable because you, Derek, writing in, are so traumatized that you you have to come up with some quasi-hygienic health excuse, such as, we have two small children and I feel that it's unhygienic to have snot rags all over the house. Yeah, you don't need to even make that excuse. You are so wrapped up in your wife's snotty worldview that you feel like you need to convince other humans like, well, don't you think we ought to take the snot off the counter? Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you have kids in the house. It's gross. It's gross. Anything that you wipe against your body and anything you stick into one of your bodily holes should not be left anywhere but the trash can. And I absolutely order this wife to A, clean up the place. Oh, and the fact that he has to say, also, I'm a bit of a pragmatist and I enjoy a clean countertop. That has, pragmatism has nothing to do with it. It's just, you don't want to have garbage on the counters. That's fine. Own your truth, Derek. You don't want to have garbage all over the place. And so, I order Derek's wife to please clean up after herself and then second please consider why you are not doing it already is this just the way you were raised are you trying to make some point to Derek are you trying to uh, 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 resist uh, his control of you in the marriage why is this happening because as much as you're working hard to convince yourself and even managing to convince Derek that it's sort of normal it's not Garbage goes in the garbage. That really is distressing. It's weird, right? I mean, you look, let me say this. This is by way of backing you up. Judge Hodgman, you're a clean person by disposition. Sure, I keep clean. I'm not. I'm a messy person. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't leave my snot out. Ugh. Okay, here's something from April. Back in October 2013, you ruled on a case between my boyfriend and I, wherein we argued whether we should build a cabin or buy a yurt. I just wanted to share what we've learned since then. If anybody uh, wants to go back and listen, it was episode 132, Criminal Intent. You had some very sound advice about the possible issues uh, around building our own home. Now, let let me just break in here just to go over what my ruling was and just familiarize people with it. There's a young couple. She wanted to build their own house. He wanted to live in a yurt, which is a a kind of tent. And they were both 
profoundly wrong in both cases because they were both very young and had never lived in a tent before, or at least not year-round, and had never built a house before. And building a house requires a lot of very special expertise that they should certainly learn and, and aspire to, but my advice to them was that they buy a modest, professionally built home or, since that wasn't an option that they were presenting towards me, between the two of them, building their own house or living in a yurt, live in a yurt, because it's the closest thing to a modular home, at the very least, they would have basic shelter. But they didn't live in a yurt, did they, Jesse? What did they do? My boyfriend and I currently live in a house that was built by somebody who did not have the best knowledge about home construction. The house looks great from the outside slash inside, but it is apparent the guy who built it had no idea what he was doing. Water leaks from shower rooms through walls. Uh, I think the mere presence of shower rooms, whatever that is, <laughs> is evidence that this person was unfamiliar with house conventions. His architecture was somewhat uh, un- untraditional. The, the toilet is in the kitchen, so as not to intrude upon the shower room. Right. <laughs> Uh, broken wires splay from random holes. The hot, cold feature on some faucets are reversed and much more. Also, he carpeted the bathroom. Who does that? I had thought that growing up with my construction-savvy dad and being part of a home repair program for a year gave me enough knowledge to guide me towards building my own home after more study. But I've since done some small DIY construction projects that went wrong, even when I followed instructions. I can't imagine if I messed up my house. After everything, I think we're more than likely going to buy a professionally built home when the time comes in about two years. Perhaps later we can invest in having a tiny house professionally built for us. But I don't think we'll be going down either the yurt or DIY home route. Thank you for your ruling, and thank you for having us on your podcast. You know, this one really hurts because I think that they did not follow my order, which was to go live in a yurt. But, but they did take my advice, which was to buy a modestly built, professionally built home. And my advice turned out to be terrible. Well, only insofar as that they chose a third-party built home that was poorly built, right? Uh, and so I feel bad that they ended up following my advice and having an experience that seems really not just unpleasant, but, uh, but very wet and dangerous, because you got the broken wires hanging out of holes in the shower room and so on. No, no amount of carpeting in the bathroom can soak up enough water that a wire isn't going to catch fire. To be sure, they, saw, they must have seen these wires and bathroom carpets when they bought the house. So maybe their judgment is just terrible. But just because I advised you to buy a third-party built home did not mean that I should suggest that you give up on your dream of building your own home. And I think that the the difficulty that you've had in doing your DIY projects, well, I think it's great that it opened your eyes to just how catastrophic it would have been to apply that to a whole home building project that you're not ready for. That doesn't mean you'll never be ready for it. In the immortal words of Jake the Dog from Adventure Time, the most important television show on television and streaming media, created by friend of the show Pendleton Ward and sometimes written by friend of the show Jack Pendarvis. Jake the dog said, and I'm paraphrasing, 
there's nothing wrong with sucking at something. Sucking is just the first part of being great at something. Maybe someone can give me the actual quote, but you get the idea. That's what a magical dog says. <laughs> and, and who th- are you to defy, to defy the will of a magical dog? And so I think that uh, I, I, I never wanted to beat out of them uh, the desire to build something of their own. Uh, but rather to warn them that building something poorly would make them unhappy. And unfortunately, what they did was they bought something they didn't build, but was built poorly and are thus unhappy. So we, our life is, is built upon mistake upon mistake upon mistake until we finally learn something. And I think what you've learned is you'll never be able to sell this house because it's garbage so you have to you now you have to move into a yurt to save enough money to buy a proper house and to keep learning and keep building. Please don't stop doing it yourself. It's what we will all have to do after the apocalypse. That's all we've got on this week's Judge John Hodgman. John, you're on tour, right? Well, I am on tour insofar as I'm going to leave Brooklyn, New York and go directly to Brooklyn, Maine and then not come back for 2 months. But Around that, t- that time of great convalescence, I can tell you that I will be in North Adams, Massachusetts for the Solid Sound Festival. That is the big arts and music festival that Wilco, the band, curates and performs at every other year in the fantastic museum called Mass Mocha, the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art, which is one of the most amazing museums for large-scale installation art in the world. And I will be performing in the Hunter Center Uh, which is one of its many great and beautiful spaces, uh, all Saturday afternoon, June 27th, uh, presenting my large-scale comedy installation, which is uh, uh, sequential acts of comedy by the great folks of Super Ego, Matt Gourley, Mark McConville, Jeremy Carter, Paul F. Tompkins, Jessica Williams from The Daily Show, Tig Notaro, and live stand-up sets from me and Paul F. Tompkins to boot. And that's all at SolidSoundFestival.com this very weekend, June 27th, with, uh, with performances by Wilco the band on the night of the 26th and the 27th. So come on out and say hello. I, we, we had the Super Ego were at Max FunCon this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think probably most of our listeners already know they should be listening to Super Ego's podcast. If you get a chance to go see their live show, it is every bit as delightful as the podcast. Both of them are on the bleeding edge of brilliant comedy in America right now. Just so great. So, so, so funny. It's Ricky Tiki Tavi Ricky Diculously good. You got it. And then I'll be then I'll be in Maine and other parts of New England for two months. But don't despair. Judge John Hodgman will still be a part of your life. I will be doing uh, broadcasting from New England with Summer Bailiff Monty Belmonte. And I hope Jesse will get a chance to talk over the summer as well. I hope not. Oh, are you taking a vacation, Jesse? Mm, I would like to take it. I aspire to take a vacation. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's all I got, really, is Make, just those aspirations. I got dreams. I got big dreams. Yeah, you want to take a vacation like that? Those, those two kids want to build a house. Yeah. Not this year. Maybe someday. Yeah, exactly. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, it is easy and fun to submit one. Go to MaximumFun.org slash JJ Ho. MaximumFun.org slash JJ H-O. Big or small, Judge John Hodgman reviews them all and decides many of them. 
like us on Facebook, and you can name a future Judge John Hodgman case and get updates from Judge John Hodgman and the gang, uh, as we're known. Cool retired, and we took over. Um, and our producer is Julia Smith. Our editor is Mark McConville. Uh, MaximumFun.org, of course, is supported by your donations. If you're not already a donor, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Yay! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.